Hey, this is Sean Kanan from Studio City on Amazon Prime. I'm sitting here with Elias on the Man Cave. Check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, Blue. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Sean, welcome to the cave. Hey man, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. How are you, man? What's new with you? What's new with me? Um, well, uh, you know, look, I mean, like everybody, you know, we're all we're all dealing with uh, coronavirus. I don't want to be a you know a downer or anything, but you know, we're you know, life is life is pretty uh, curtailed by that. Um, you know, trying to do the best that we can to to you know get things done. Um, we just had the. Uh, uh, Daytime Emmys just had their virtual show for digital dramas. My new show, Studio City, was nominated for eight. Uh, we did win one, which was uh, Tristan Rogers for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, so that just happened, and that was kind of exciting. And, uh, you know, we're talking about what we're going to be doing for season two. And, you know, trying trying my best to uh, avoid the refrigerator and not go insane. <laughs> there you go, man. So, yeah, man, you've been busy for a few years now. You've done acting, producing. You've written a book. You've uh, played around with stand-up comedy. Uh, you've been busy, man. Yeah, you know, I like to. I like to have my. Uh, you know, I like to have my finger in different pies. I mean, I, you know, I think each of those things for me kind of satisfies something differently. Um, you know, stand-up comedy uh, is something that I've done off and on since I was fifteen. You know, you're, you got that live audience. It's that immediate reciprocity. Um, you know, writing is like very solitary and monastic. But it's really fulfilling when, you know, you finish a book and you see the, the completed book. And I'm, you, you mentioned my book. Uh, it's called Success Factor X. It's the second book that I've uh, worked on. And uh, uh, we were actually uh, rated one of the 20 most inspirational books of the last two decades by Book Authority. And we became an Amazon uh, new release bestseller 10 days after it came out. So that was a, that, I'll, take a, I'll take a second to tell you about that project because it was really cool. Um, my partner, Jill Lieberman, and I went out to 50 exceptional individuals in all different fields, and we said, what's your best advice about success? And so we got an amazing response. We got Anthony Robbins, Mark Cuban, um, Sarah Blakely, the first female billionaire, uh, Daryl McDaniel, the founding member of Run DMC, you know, Larry Walker, Hall of Fame baseball player, all these different, you know, lots of actors, really, really crazy. And uh, the, the book looks like... Um, like a coffee table book, and then everyone gave us these uh, organic submissions um, about incredible advice, incredible inspiration. Um, you know, I think now more than ever, uh, with everything that's going on, people could use something to, uh, you know, kind of kind of keep a fire yeah. lit because uh, it seems like everything else is trying to conspire against us. How did you like come up with the idea for this book? So my partner, Jill Lieberman, uh, created a book like almost 20 years ago called American Pride. And it was a book where celebrities, um, you know, sports figures, et cetera, um, p politicians, they, they gave uh, their, you know, they, they gave some of their thoughts on America. And it was a, a beautiful coffee table book. And she called me out of the blue a couple of years ago to wish me happy birthday. And, and you know, I was... Uh, 
I was in kind of a, a contemplative mood, and I, I said, you know, I said, hey, we should, I had this idea for something. Do you want to hear it? She said, yeah, and I, I pitched her the idea for this new book, and by the time we hung up, we were writing partners, and that began this year-long odyssey of, you know, reaching out to all of these people, you know, working really hard to get them to say yes, then getting them to submit their, um, you know, their their words of wisdom for the book, and then you know, taking all of that and putting it together and getting it published uh, into a book, and it was a really amazing experience, um, you know, interacting with all of these exceptional individuals and you know you, they're all successful they've all got money they've all got you know all the, all the trappings of of success but they're in different fields but when you listen to them speak there's a lot of common denominators so you you can see how they used a lot of the same strategies to get to the top of their specific profession whether it's you know a guy like Larry Walker who is a batting champion or you know Anthony Robbins, who we all know who Anthony Robbins is, yeah. um, or, or you know, I'm in it as well as an actor. You know, I, I talk about a lot of the things that I did that helped me, you know, achieve some of what I've achieved. And um, I, I remember my acting teacher. His name, his name was Roy London, the late Roy London, uh, very well-known acting teacher. And um, he said, "I have more in common with a successful plumber than I do with an unsuccessful acting coach." Wow. Just think about that for a minute. That sounds kind of weird, right? Yeah. But when you think about it, probably many of the very same things that it takes to build a successful plumbing business, you know, and the very same things that it takes to build a successful acting coaching business, you, you employ a lot of the same strategies taking different paths up the same hill to success. And when you start seeing these people in different, um, different fields, using a lot of the same strategies, you start seeing common denominators and patterns and say, huh, maybe there's something to that. So what are a couple of the things that these people said? Well, one of them was really interesting. You know, none, none of these people talked about their success in terms of you know, how many cars I have, how many houses I have, yada, yada. Um, it, it was largely about living their most authentic life, you know, kind of to thine own self be true, doing what makes you happy, and, and success generally comes if you're doing your best at what you're happy. But they also said, you know, it, it, it's really also about helping other people, uh, you know, ach achieve their, you know, their greatness. Yeah. Um, and, and in without any kind of ulterior motive, somehow things start working out well for you, too. I don't know why but i think it's a law of the universe i really do um i know for myself that i i really try as best i can to you know help other people especially young actors young you know entertainers and talk to them and it just it just comes back to you and i think that's true hmm. you, you mentioned that you uh you talk to young actors like what, what's like some of the advice that you give to them Okay, well, you know, when I started acting, there was no internet, okay? Yeah. And, and and the reason that's important, first of all, you know, if you're in a small town, like I grew up in New, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, small town, right? I mean, there, there really wasn't any acting class there for me. I guess, I, guess I, I could have gone to like a local college and maybe found one. But, you know, now, if you, you want to embark in a career in acting, there are so many resources online that if you're in Timbuktu, you can access, right? 
The next thing is with social media, there are so many opportunities to create product for yourself. And by that, I mean, you know, generally everybody wants to see what you look like on, we used to say on tape, you know what I mean? They want to, they want to be able to watch you do something and engage how you look on camera, you know, what your talent level is, etc. And now with a smartphone and the ability to upload something to even a website or even, you know, your own website or I don't know, uh, you know, uh, any of the platforms, you can then reference somebody who might be an agent or a casting director or something and say, hey, listen, go to this link and you can at least take a look at me doing a scene with a friend. So there are all these other options to get seen uh, early on in, in a career that didn't exist when I started. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, you're only a few so, years. You're only a few years older than me, so yeah, like. Was I starting to sell like the old guy going, "You kids, get off my grass"? Yeah, I'm 43, so I I remember the days of no internet. I'm 53. <laughs> <laughs> so man, yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk about a little about Studio City, man. Like, how did you like come up with that idea? So Studio City is a show that I've been working on putting together for a long, long time. Um, my, my wife and I have been together for 10 years, and I was working on it before we had even met. Um, I wanted to, you know, they say write what you know best. And I mean, I've worked in daytime television off and on for 30 years, and I wanted to create a show about a guy that starred on a, on a soap opera, uh, but show all of the stuff in his life that really is very similar to a lot of the other drama that everybody deals with. You know, from the outside, my character, Sam Stevens, looks like this guy that you think makes a lot of money, he's on a TV show, works with beautiful women, da 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 but then you start peeling the onion back and you realize that, you know, he's no longer the young buck on the show. He's, he's an older guy in the middle of contract negotiations and they bring a younger, kind of better-looking version of him on to nip at his heels. He's got a gold-digging girlfriend. He's got a... You know, a, a psychotic mother, uh, and he's got an overbearing boss, and and it's all the craziness that goes on in the show within the show and in his outside life. And one of the things that we do in the show, though, it's a it's a short form digital series. There's uh, six episodes that are between ten and fifteen minutes each. We deal with a lot of really pertinent social issues. Um, we deal with Me Too. We have an LGBTQ storyline that we're actually really proud of because. Um, our show actually made history. Uh, Scott Turner Schofield is the first trans man to ever be nominated for an Emmy. And our show is the first show to ever have a trans man nominated for it. So uh, we also deal with, you know, ageism and suicide and a lot of other stuff. But we do it in a way that we're not beating you over the head because, I mean, you know, it's not a downer. The show is actually really funny. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just. And through the right series of connections i was able to get this made i had done two films for a guy whose name is timothy woodward jr he's a he's a film director and producer i did a film called gangster land with jason patrick and then i uh, did a film which actually i think it just came out on showtime last month it's called uh, beyond the law with steven seagal and dmx and i went to talk to tim and say hey listen you know I, I would like to work together again we started talking and we got on the subject of television and then on the subject of digital television. And I said, you know, I think I have something that you might like. It's not written for digital television, but you know, I think we could 
you know, we, we could dissect it and, and use it for that. He goes, look, I'll read it. If I like it, I'll make it. And I was like, you know, you hear that all the time. And you don't hear that all the time in, in, in Hollywood, but you hear it a lot. But I knew Tim, and I know he's a straight shooter. And to his credit, he put his money where his mouth was. He said, you know, I like it. Um, and we were filming eight weeks later. Wow. And it's it's and it's been absolutely incredible. Uh, my wife is one of the producers. She is also one of the writers. She was nominated for an Emmy along with me for writing. Um, uh, she won the Indie Series Award for writing. Uh, you know, so it's really great that I get to work with my, you know, my my partner in crime uh, in life, and uh, you know, work with her on on a show that it's been my dream to make a long time. You know, I I, I always. You know, so often when you see soap operas portrayed in the media and you see people acting on what's supposed to be a soap opera within a, a film or another TV show, they do this like hyper dramatic, you know, uh, over the top acting, almost like they're winking at the camera going, we know we're in a soap opera, so we have to show you that it's not good acting. <laughs> and the reality is some of the very best actors I've ever worked with are on soap operas. Um, and, and, uh, I wanted to create a project that showed daytime in a much more realistic light. And, you know, the, the kids seem to like it. It's on Amazon prime. Um, you know, you can binge watch the whole first season in about an hour and a half. Yeah. I watched it the other night. It was, I thought it was funny. Some of the stories I got to think like, so did you like, how many years were you in the soap opera business? Well, I started about 1992 on general hospital. Stayed on that show till about 97, left, went to some other stuff. Yeah. In 2000, I don't know. I think in like 90, I think like 99, I did the show called Sunset Beach for a while. Then I started Bold and the Beautiful in 2001. And that's been uh, 2001 off and on through 2016. And then I actually came back to General Hospital in 2015 for a year um, for the show's 50th anniversary. So. You know, I've, I've had a, a very long relationship with, with daytime television. And like I said, write what you know, you know. So I wanted to write something that, you know, I, I'd really lived the experience. I mean, yeah. nobody's going nobody's gonna to tell me what it's like to be, you know, an actor on a soap opera because I've, I've lived it intimately. Mm. So when you were writing this, were you like trying to think like things that happened to you or to other cast members that you saw that you kind of put into the story? Yeah, I think some of it was like an amalgamation. I mean, you know, the character of Gloria, who is uh, um, the executive producer of the show within a show, which is called Hearts on Fire, is, you know, she just seems like a dragon lady. Uh, but you realize that, you know, that's because she's dealing with, you know, a lot of her own issues and she's not really this horrible person. But, you know, that was kind of a, you know, I work. I worked for a few uh, producers on certain soap operas, and they. I drew from those. I drew, I drew from those people that I knew. Um, you know, I some of the the infighting and stuff like that that goes on. You know, behind the scenes that that happens sometimes. Not. I mean, you know, it's it's not the norm because you know you, you can't slow down production, and if you're, you're having an interpersonal issue with another actor and it gets in the way, you, you get fired. So, but I, yeah, there are little bits and pieces of my experience from the 30 years that I, you know, infused into into the show. Mm. How close is the character that you play on the show, like, resembles you? Uh, you know, I think Sam Stevens is actually very 
close to me. I mean, you know, I, I, I think maybe I'm a little bit more evolved. Um, I think Sam's a guy who's still figuring some things out, but uh, he's a guy that always thought that he should have kind of had a bigger career in his mind than an action star. And um, w- without ruining the surprise, you know, at the end of the first episode, his life is completely turned upside down by somebody who shows up that he never knew existed. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted the show to succeed with me playing the closest version of who I am. Yeah. Uh, and, and bring the, the, the most honesty that I could. And if it didn't succeed on that, but I did bring as much of myself as possible, I, I felt that I could accept that. Mm. So when you went, like, for, you know, when I was watching the show and everything, I noticed that you brought some, uh, like, People that you've worked with before, soap stars. How did you pitch that idea to them to come on and do the project with you? Well, you know, I, my my wife had let's see, I with Carolyn Hennessy, um, she and I worked on General Hospital together, and then my wife, who wrote and directed uh, a short film, Carolyn acted in that with me, and so we knew her really well. Patrika Darbo plays my mother. I have lost count of how many times we've worked together we the first time we worked together was on a show called step by step uh years ago decades ago and we've done movies since and all this and tristan rogers and i uh were on general hospital and young and the restless together and we're good friends actually sarah brown and I worked together on general hospital so i you know we contacted people that you know we knew and they really responded to the material we um we did a we did a read through of the original pilot, which changed dramatically, but the characters were very similar, and everybody was really into it. Um, they 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 knew that we kind of had something special there, and they wanted to get on board. And to their credit, you know, they just they jumped in, both feet committed, and you know, with, without our amazing cast, um, we, we wouldn't be having you know the success we were having. So the first uh, season was six episodes what's your goal for uh, season two well for season two my goal is that i would like to do eight to ten episodes 22 minutes each you know which would be basically like a 30 minute show yeah. without commercial uh or, or even longer maybe a 22 to 30 minute show um <clears throat> we're in talks right now um with uh several uh potential buyers for the show um you know obviously with coronavirus it's making it more difficult but you know, it's taken me, I don't know, 12, 13 years to get this thing made. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop. I mean, I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to get a season two out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure when we're going to go back into production. My hope is that we would go back into production maybe like around <clears throat> November. Um, and and that, that would be great. So we're that's, that's what we're working on right now. you got to do a season two because, like, you sound so excited about this project. You, you just got to keep doing it. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, no, we're gonna keep doing it, man. I promise. Have you uh, have you like started coming up with ideas and writing it? We haven't started writing it, but we have a lot of ideas. You know, we have a really terrific writing team, and <clears throat> we we write quickly. So I know that you know we could knock out the entire uh, season in a, probably like a month. And so we would just kind of lock ourselves in a room for a writing room for a month and and write the whole thing. Right now, what I'm I'm, I'm trying to do is to, to actually get it set up somewhere. So you know we figure out how it's going to be financed and what it's going to look like. Yeah. How did you uh, get it on Amazon? Did they approach you? 
No, Amazon didn't approach uh, us, actually. Uh, my, my partner, Tim Woodward Jr., who I told you was the... He directed all the episodes, by yeah. the way. Uh, he um, had an existing relationship with uh, with Amazon, and uh, and he, he, he was very instrumental in us getting it on there. When do you think, like, your, your goal is to try to even, like, start doing all this after, like, are you waiting until, like, 2021 to start doing it? No, I mean, like I said, I'd like to be back in production uh, this fall. Yeah, you know. So I mean, you know, once we, if we can, if we can conclude a deal with buyers quickly, maybe in the next sixty days, you know, like I said, we, we could be, you know, back in production, uh, assuming that production is allowed. Uh, but some of the shows are s- slowly coming back into production right. right now. So yeah, that's that's the goal. Okay. We mentioned earlier, you know, you, like you said, you mentioned you did a few soap operas. Like, I was asked to ask you this question: favorite character that you played in the soap world, and why? Uh, favorite character I played in the soap world was Deacon Sharp um, on The Bold and Beautiful and Young and the Restless. I'm the only actor that's ever played that character. Um, you know, I, I think the character is a really interesting, edgy anti-hero. Um, you know, he started off a really, really bad guy. And slowly became less of a bad guy and a little more of a human being. And um, I, I, you know, I've, I've gotten to play him off and on since 2001. And um, it's just, it's just something very special for me. Would you ever go back to the soap world? Do you think? You know, I would. I would consider going back. I would consider going back to uh, Bold and the Beautiful. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun working on that show. It's only half an hour. It moves really quickly. Um, the show is syndicated in like 47 other countries, and so it has afforded me the opportunity to do some really interesting, fun, cool stuff as a result of being on Bold and the Beautiful. Um, it, it's very big in Italy, so I wound up doing a, a film in Italy, and I wound up doing Dancing with the Stars in Italy. I've, I've lived over there oh, off wow. and on year. Yeah, I mean, I speak Italian. So it's, 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 it's had a major influence on my life. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's next for you? Any other uh, projects or films that you have coming out? Well, unfortunately, there's just nothing. Because of all this, I know. You no, know, I mean, it's, it's just there's nothing. So for me right now, you know, my big thing is getting uh, the next season of Studio City set up. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. That's my, that's my deal right now. Let's talk a little about uh, Karate Kid 3 and Cobra Kai. Sure. Okay. What, what's your thoughts on Cobra Kai? Netflix, I, I and it's on Netflix now too. I, I think it's I think it's genius. I think it's I think it's an amazing um, take on the original uh, canon material. I'm, I'm very happy for you know Marty Cove and Billy Zabka and Ralph Macchio. I just think you know the the writer producers of the show uh, have done a phenomenal job. You know these guys come from a comedy background, having done Harold and Kumar. And so there's a whole level of comedy, I think, that's infused in the shows that really wasn't in the original films. It wasn't in the original films. And uh, it's just made it really interesting and fun for a whole new generation. Has there been any talks about Mike Barnes showing up or what? Well, there's been a lot of talk from fans. Um, You know, the, the producers are really great guys. I've communicated with them. Uh, multiple times, and I, you know, they're they're fans of the the original films, and I think they'd like to bring as many of the characters back as they can. I think they want to do it organically, though. Yeah. And so, uh, 
you know, like I like I always say, if, if the time comes when they want me to dust off the Cobra Kai gi, hmm. I'd love to do it. I would love to see what became of, of Mike Barnes. If, if you have any input, what would you like Mike Barnes to be? No, I, I think it would be really interesting if this guy, you know, was able to straighten his life out. You know, maybe he went into the military. You know, maybe he went to... Uh, uh, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, and he became an officer and, you know, grew out of being that obnoxious, intimidating 17-year-old into an interesting man. Or, you know, I could see him going the other way where it went from bad to worse and he went to prison and is just a really bad guy. Yeah. What do you what do you think of uh, the way they portrayed Zapka's character now? Oh, I, I love it. I so, think it's genius. Um, you know, that Billy was maybe the one that was, you know, the, the bullied. And uh, I, I love how, you know, Billy's so, you know, dry and acerbic. And, you know, it's it's great. How, how old were you when you got the role for Karate Kid 3? Let's see. I got it in 89. I was 23, I think. 22 or 23. Was that, that, was that your first big uh, role? That was far and away the biggest. Yeah, I had done a couple episodes of uh, network television, but yeah, this was the third installment of a highly successful international franchise. Um, you know, I was playing one of the lead characters, so yeah, it was a it was a big deal at the time. And you know, it, it it's it's proven to be a huge deal in my career, but also my life. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy that you know thirty some years later, you know, people are still talking about this movie. They're, oh, yeah. they're still a name characters so for me it's just been a really um, amazing thing yeah so like what was your feelings for like karate kid 3 because like you know there's three of them of course and like the third one wasn't getting as much love as the other ones but for me i love the third one you know i listen i i i have i have a lot of mixed feelings about it i know that you know john avelson did not like it and ralph didn't like it either i think there were some problems with the story i mean it was confusing with the character of Jessica that was like not a love interest and then she just kind of disappears halfway through the film. Um, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it was, it was not bad, but I think it would have worked better if that was actually the second installment instead of the third. Mm. That might, that might've worked better, but, but you know, look, you know, it gets played all the time. People enjoy it. Um, you know, uh, I, I couldn't be more grateful to have been a part of it. Um, you know, I think I do. I think there's some script issues. Yes, but um, you know, it's water to the bridge at this point. Yeah, and I'm sure you get asked all the time for Karate Kid Three. Asked about it. I yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Uh, I know you've done some a few uh, like cons uh, signings and stuff like that. Do you enjoy doing those with the Karate Kid gang? I do. I, you know, I really like you know, the, the Karate Kid fans are so cool. I mean, other than soap opera fans who are so loyal, you know, Karate Kid specifically like Cobra Kai fans yeah. are you know not just of, of the series Cobra Kai, but like fans of the of the the members of the Cobra Kai. Um, they're really really fun people they they get into it they love it it's fun to see guys my age that get really excited about it especially if they've got kids like you know we talk about you you know you know they're introducing their kid to a part of the nostalgia oh, yeah. from there yeah so 
it's it's I love it. Yeah. And I'm trying to get my daughter to sign up for martial arts. I know you've done martial arts and everything, but it's like only because of we grew up watching these movies. Yeah, well listen, I think martial martial arts has been a very important part of my life. It's been one of uh uh one of the most important things in my life, I think. And and, and I think yeah, if your your daughter wanted to get into it, it it's it's an incredible thing. Hmm. One more question about karate kid. You got hurt on set, right? Uh I did. Yeah. What happened? Well, we'd been shooting for about two weeks and um, we broke for Christmas and I started having some pain in my left thigh. thought it was from all the karate that I was doing, so I started taking aspirin. Well, what it turned out to be, I found out in Las Vegas because while everyone else was preparing for Christmas, uh, I was in the emergency room in Vegas fighting for my life on Christmas Day. Uh, I, I had ruptured something internally the blood was dripping down on my femoral artery, and the aspirin had exacerbated the bleeding. And, um, you know, they said, look, we've got to take you to surgery, and we don't know if we can save your life. And I was like, what do you mean you can't save my life? I'm, I'm you know, 20 years old, and I'm doing a martial arts movie, and they said, you've lost a lot of blood. So, long story short, they, they took me in, and, uh, you know, they, they took me into surgery 15 minutes later, and... Um, I said before they put me under, look, if, if you can, if you can not resect, I mean, if you can resect the abdominal muscles instead of cutting them, please do that. Cause I knew if they cut my abdominal muscles, I'd be out of the movie cause it would take too long to heal. So they were able to resect the muscles. And uh, again, long story short, I, I had myself discharged from the hospital against medical advice. I started, um, training, doing everything I could to rehabilitate myself. And I wound up doing all of my stunts in the film, uh, with the exception of one, which is where Mike and his buddies go across train tracks as a speeding train is coming along. As I said, there's there's no way I'm doing that. How, but how, I wanted to. Stuff. How, how long were you uh, like out of the film for? Like how long before the film started picking up again? Um, I don't know. I mean, it probably it probably probably broke for like ten days. Okay. And maybe two weeks. I mean, not a lot of time. I mean, I had lost 30 pounds. Jeez. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I almost died. I mean, I, so I, and I, and I had to wait to heal a little bit before I could start doing anything physical because I had staples all up, up and down my, my abdomen. But, uh, you know, as soon as I could, I started, um, you know, I got back in the gym and it was really frustrating and difficult in the beginning. I couldn't do hardly anything. And, you know, it was really difficult having to rehearse the martial arts scenes with, you know, this this fresh wound, uh, and you know, it would it would bleed sometimes, and it was yeah, it was it was intense. So, Sean, we mentioned that you can uh, find your show on Amazon. How can the listeners find you on uh, social media? So they can follow me on Twitter at Sean Kanan or on Instagram. I think it's Sean dot Kanan. And you know, I really try and do my best to uh, respond to everybody and. It's a great way to keep up with what I'm doing and uh, what I've got coming out. And, um, you know, like I said, I love, I love hearing from the fans. All right, Sean, this was fun. Thank you for coming on. Hey, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, hope we get a chance to see each other again sometime. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.